Welcome to Passage to Wonderland, literary passages to complete your day. The life of celebrated American poet Emily Dickinson is captured in a novel by Dominique Fortier. It's called Paper Houses. The book contains short vignettes from Emily's childhood to adulthood in Amherst, Massachusetts. They're glimpses into the character and genius of this remarkable, reclusive woman. At age five, little Emily Elizabeth spends a few days at her aunt's in Boston. On the way there, their carriage drives through a violent storm. Lightning rips through the black sky. Rain pelts the windows, sounding like gravel. The aunt holds the child to reassure her, but the child is not afraid. Fascinated, she leans toward the cold glass, rests her forehead against it, and whispers, Fire! At the aunt's house, the windows are set so high up that, even standing on her toes, she can't see anything other than a strip of white sky. She climbs onto her bed to look at the street down below, the twin trees growing across the road, the people scurrying down the sidewalks. She makes a first tentative jump, then a second, and a third, higher and higher on the goose-down mattress that yields gently under her weight. The street bounces in time with her, with all of its little characters, like toy soldiers being shaken in a box. Elizabeth! Standing in the doorway, the aunt looks furious. The child immediately stops jumping and, standing tall, planted on her short little legs, answers loudly and clearly, Call me Emily, if you please. The flowers the children picked in the afternoon are lying in a wicker basket. Father takes a pansy between his pale fingers and explains in his pastor's voice, To preserve them, you need to dry them first. In Father's hand, the flower seems to be wilting already. He puts it down and takes out a volume of the Encyclopedia Britannica, the set of which stands, ordered 1 to 21, on a shelf in the middle of the bookcase. He opens it carefully leafing through the pages. After a few months, the pages will have absorbed the plant's moisture, and you can glue it in your herbarium. Emily is filled with silent wonder. Books drink the water of flowers. Father continues in the learned tone he uses when he is teaching, which is to say, always. To remember where you place the specimen, I suggest choosing a page number that corresponds to a famous date. For example, the date of the beginning of the Hundred Years' War. He waits. 1337. Austin, Lavinia, and Emily whisper in unison. Austin and Lavinia select a volume, gently insert the petals of a flower between the leaves of the book, muttering to themselves. Declaration of Independence, Fall of the Roman Empire, 
Mother's birthday. Emily alone seems to scatter flowers at random in the volume she has chosen. Father watches her for a moment, his brow knit. How will you find your specimens if you put them just anywhere? She smiles. I'll find them. Months later, when in the dead of winter they pick summer flowers from the bookcase, she opens the dictionary without a moment's thought. While the others mutter numbers, she says a single word, just one, like magic. Jasmine. And Jasmine appears. Emily has illustrated the dictionary entries. Mother is in the kitchen. The girls are setting the table for dinner. Father is already seated. At the head of the table, as is fitting, he waits. Lavinia lays out the everyday cutlery, and Emily follows her with the blue and white porcelain plates. Father makes a tsk sound as soon as she puts his down. Yes, father? I would like to know why I always get the chipped plate. Emily backtracks and squints. It's true. The plate she has placed in front of him is missing a piece, the size of a lunula of a fingernail. I'm sorry, she says. She picks up the plate and calmly crosses the dining room and the kitchen, opening the door to the garden. There, she spots a large, flat rock. She drops the plate on it, and the shards go flying. She goes back in the house with the same measured step and says, It won't happen again. I promise. Dumbstruck, he doesn't answer. His reflection on the wax table is as astonished as he is. In the grass, the shards of porcelain look like the remains of a lost civilization. Sophia Holland, Emily's cousin and best friend, is back from a summer by the sea. With a faint tan, her pale skin is golden, but she has hollow cheeks, and beneath her glassy eyes are lilac circles. In her white dress, she is breathtakingly beautiful. I've brought you something, she tells Emily. What is it? Guess. Emily closes her eyes and holds out her hand. Sophia places in it a flat object, lighter than a pebble, almost perfectly round. With her fingertips, Emily studies its texture, a little rough, like velvet that gets wet and hardens as it dries, and the surface, slightly rounded on one side, is pitted almost imperceptibly. I don't know, Emily says, opening her eyes. It's a sand dollar. On the rounded side, Emily sees a flower with five petals, or else a star carved in the calcium carbonate. Is it a shell? A sea urchin, a flowery urchin with no spines. Is it alive? Emily presses her ear to the surface to listen for a heartbeat. I don't think so. Perhaps. I have something for you too, Emily whispers. From her pocket, she pulls a small card 
folded in half, on which she has glued her most precious possession, a four-leaf clover. It's thought to bring good luck. Sophia nods her head solemnly. That night, under her pillow, Emily's fingers touch the sand dollar. She falls asleep, dreaming of the land where it is used as currency, of the wonders it could procure, a mockingbird's call, the first snow, a bottomless inkwell, days added to your life. Emily Dickinson achieved little fame while she was alive. Only ten poems and a letter were published during her lifetime. But after she died in 1886, her sister Lavinia discovered a collection of nearly 1,800 poems that Emily had written. Today's passage was from Paper Houses by Dominique Fortier, translation by Rhonda Mullins, published by Coach House Books. Thank you for listening to Passage to Wonderland. Until next time, rest easy.